Amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, I saw on Facebook, uh, there was a cartoon or a meme or something. Maybe one of you put it on there. I don't remember. But it's a person standing there, and the caption just says, I wish people would feel free to tell me what they really think of face masks. And I think we're all sort of that way, right? We have heard a lot about it. Everyone has an opinion. And you don't have to tell me what yours is afterwards, okay? It will be all right. We've heard so much about that. And I think the one thing we can all agree on is none of us really enjoy wearing a mask, right? This time of year, it's uncomfortable because it's hot. It sort of bothers our ears. If you're like me and you got a big nose, it's hard to find one that fits, okay? You can't hear what people are saying and you have to talk extra loud to help them hear what you're saying. It is very frustrating. And yet, for this time, whether we like them or not, it's sort of become part of our lives. It's part of what we have to do. And I think we're all hoping that will soon come to an end. You know, one of the things about face masks is they really do, they impede our communication because not only can we not hear as well, it's also true that because part of the person's face is hidden, like it's, it's a little more difficult to communicate because we don't see as much of the facial cues for communication as we normally would. Can't see a smile or a frown. None of that is evident to us. And so part of the person is hidden. Now we may not like these masks, but you know, sometimes we do use a little different kind of mask, maybe more intentionally. It's not a physical one, it's a, an emotional or spiritual one, and it's really made of lies and deception. I mean, we try to hide parts of who we are, sometimes behind a smile, sometimes behind a few words that say on a Sunday morning, yeah, everything's fine, I'm doing great, when it really is not fine. When we're trying to convince people that, yeah, work is going great, I feel like things are super, when what we feel like is a failure, when a marriage is falling apart and we pretend it's okay, all those things are masks that we wear to try to hide something that we don't want people to see. And so today we begin a new series that I'm calling Masked, and we're thinking about the things that we try to hide from other people and how we attempt to hide those, but more important, what do we do with some of those things? So I want us to think about that over the next few weeks, these things that we'd really like to hide from other people. And today, I want us to talk about a big one, our fear. You know, we don't like to say, I'm afraid, because it makes us feel weak. When we talk honestly about the fears that we have, it makes us feel weak. I can remember when I was a kid, I had like a super easy childhood with lots of people to support me, and yet I was scared of everything. I mean, all the things that other kids did to have fun, I was afraid to do, like mini motorbikes, big roller coasters, climbing way up high in trees. I was scared to do all that stuff, and it made me think like, what is wrong with me? Why is everybody else okay with doing that stuff, and I'm scared to death to do them? And so it was a little embarrassing. And maybe even as adults, there are times when, if we're honest with ourselves, and maybe if we were candid with others, we'd have to admit that our fear is a little embarrassing. I mean, we look around at other people and they don't seem to be as afraid of some of this stuff as we are, and so we, we try to hide it. 
And you know, a lot of our fear has to do with conversations that we have in our head, things that begin with just very simple words. A lot of our fears begin with two simple words. What if? Think about it. What if I'm not a good parent? You know, we look around and people seem to know what they're doing in their parenting and and we're just not sure we're going to know how to do it. Whether our kids are little or grown up, it can still be a challenge. What if my spouse decides that he or she doesn't love me anymore? I mean, what if they wake up one morning and they're just ready to check out? I mean, they're not interested in this relationship anymore. That's a real fear. What if I get sick? I mean, that's, that's a big one right now. I mean, we're all thinking about that. What's the day that I'm going to find out I've been exposed to coronavirus and I'm going to have to have a test and wait and see if it's positive or negative? What if they find out what I'm really like? What if the people around me find out the stuff that I've been trying to hide and then they're not interested in me anymore? Sometimes our fears begin with what if. Sometimes they begin with two words, I'm not. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not interesting enough. Some people can engage others so easily and I can't seem to do that. I'm not cool enough. Sometimes our fears begin with two different words. I'll never. I'll never be successful. I mean, we look around at the people around us and what do we do? We compare. Uh, the, the people that we grew up with, the people we went to college with, the people that we work with or have a similar career path, and we think, man, I'm never going to be as successful as they are. I'll never find a mate. I'll never finish college. It goes on and on and on, and all these things are about our fears. And sometimes it feels like that stuff is going to overpower us and dominate our lives. And so the question for us As people who are followers of God, how do we deal with all of these fears? What do we do with the fear that's in our lives? And today, I want us to think about that. I want us to look at just a couple different passages. You know, one of the things that I found out, I did a little research this week, and, you know, while we're unafraid to talk about our fear, what I find is that biblical writers were very unafraid to talk about fear. If you look through scripture and do a search for words like fear and afraid and fearing and fears, all those things that are associated with the things that make us afraid, what I found out was that 55 of the 66 books of the Bible talk about fear. And sometimes, many times over, these books talk about fear. The writers of Scripture knew what fear was about and knew that it needed to be addressed in our lives, and so they talked about it. Maybe we should learn something from that. Today we're going to look at two passages, one more in-depth and one uh, just quickly at the end. But the one I want us to spend the most time today is found in the book we call 2 Timothy. It's a letter from Paul to his sort of younger associate named Timothy. And what we find in these letters is that these are very different men. The the letter gives us a different look at Paul because many of Paul's letters, as you know, are written to churches. This is between two men, more specific situation. And and what we learn is that Paul is always bold. We see that in the book of Acts. We see it in his writing. It seems to me that Timothy is probably not as bold as Paul. And so Paul is encouraging him. What we also know 
is that Timothy was a very important associate. I mean, he is a Paul's sort of uh, Timothy's mentor, but but Timothy becomes somebody Paul depends on. He's there when Paul writes some of his letters. He's there in his ministry sharing the message of Jesus. And so Paul depends on this younger minister. And he begins the letter, and this may be the, the last letter that Paul wrote that we have in Scripture. He begins this letter of 2 Timothy with a greeting and then sort of talking about family, which we might do in a letter. And then he writes these words in verse 6 of chapter 1. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul says you've got a, a spiritual gift. You've got something you can do. It's never identified. We don't know that if for Timothy it was maybe preaching and teaching, sharing the message of Jesus with people who didn't know it, or maybe it's uh, prophecy. We just really don't know what this gift was. What we do know is that it was passed on from Paul to Timothy by the laying on of hands, which was common in the ancient church. And the image that we have there is not that Timothy's necessarily done something wrong, but rather, you know, if you were heating a house with wood and you had some kind of iron stove and, and overnight you built that fire up to keep the house warm and then it sort of dies back during the night. But in the morning, you open those doors and there's still a few coals that are warm. You put some paper and kindling on that and you blow it and like magic, it ignites. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Listen, this gift you have, it's not necessarily that Timothy's neglected it, but Paul's saying if you, if you fan this into flame, it can be even more than it is now. Paul's looking for Timothy to take his ministry further, for it to, to grow, to, it, to ignite and be more than it was at that moment. And then Paul says this, and we covered this passage back in the fall um, in a different series, but you know, there's a lot that's happened since last fall. And it was one that I thought was worth us revisiting in this totally different context. Verse 7, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Literally, the first line of that verse is, God did not give us a spirit of fear. God has filled us with His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Part of becoming a Christian is receiving the gift of God's Spirit at work in our lives. And never in Scripture is God's Spirit characterized as fearful, as afraid. God's Spirit is well, it's God's Spirit, so we don't have to worry about fear there. And so God has indwelled us with that Spirit. And Paul says it's at work in three ways. So it helps us overcome our fear, but how does that happen? Well, first of all, God's Spirit gives us power. And if fear makes us feel weak then God's power makes us feel strong. If we're going to overcome our fears, then we need God's power at work in our lives. We need this power to give us the strength to overcome our fear. But God also knew that power without any controls on it can be very dangerous because it can intimidate, dominate. It can try to control other people. It can be used primarily for self-interest and maintaining that power. And so 
we're going to overcome fear, we need God's power, but we need more than that. We also need love. And love helps us fulfill the mission that we have to love God and love others. And when you couple power with love, we have someone not acting just in self-interest to control, dominate, and intimidate others. We have them acting in the interests of the other people. So using the power God has given to help others. Well, that makes sense. But even then, power used with love and only those two things at work can be taken to extremes. And so Paul says there's a third element brought in. And that's the element of self-control or self-discipline. When you bring that in, what we have is those three things at work. Power, love, and self-discipline. So it's all brought under control. So it's God's power at work for the interests of others under control. And then we have this sense that that can overcome our fear. So we might say it this way. The lesson for us to learn is that God's Spirit is greater than your fear. God's Spirit is greater than your fear. So whatever your fear is, and we all have them, and we may want to hide them, whatever that fear is, God's Spirit, God's Spirit at work in you, which was promised to you from the very beginning, is greater than your fear. So you've got a fear, each one of us do, and maybe that fear, like maybe for Timothy, was holding him back. Maybe that fear is holding you back. God can help you with that. Now, it doesn't mean God's going to cast out every fear. Like it might be that you really need some money and you'd love to go rob a bank, but you're afraid to. I don't think God's Spirit is going to help you overcome that fear of robbing a bank. I don't think God's Spirit, maybe, maybe you're afraid to go skydiving. Well, well, that's just stupid. So God's fear, God's power is not going to help you overcome that. Maybe some of you have done that. It's still stupid, okay? God's, God's Spirit will not help you with that. But let's just say that you've been thinking about sort of getting involved, jumping into ministry of some kind in our church or our community. I mean, you've seen a need, and maybe you've seen how you could meet that need, and you know you should become part of the solution, whether it involves kids or people who are hurt, whatever it is. And yet, you've thought, well, what if I'm not very good at it? What if I mess something up? What if I, what if I fail? And that's your fear speaking. God's Spirit is greater than your fear. And God's Spirit can carry you through that. Maybe you've got something in your life, and, and just to be frank, you know that it is a sin. You've got a sin problem that needs to be dealt with, and maybe you've tried to deal with it before, and you failed, and, and you're afraid to try again, because what if you just fail again? God's Spirit is greater than your fear. You see, God can be at work in every area of our lives. In our marriages, maybe there's something you're afraid of there. God's Spirit is greater than your fear. In your parenting, in the way you handle your health or your money, God's Spirit is greater than your fear. God can be at work in powerful ways through His Spirit. So today, what are you afraid of? My guess is it doesn't take long for you to think of something and maybe several things. 
God's Spirit is greater than all of that. I want to leave you with a few verses from a psalm. And if you want to find a book of the Bible that is really unafraid to talk about fear, it's the book of Psalms. Over and over, the psalmists talk about their fear and God's power to overcome that fear. And Psalm 46 is one of those psalms. So I want to read just the first three verses. Hear what the psalmist has to say that I think is characteristic of so many psalms. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Even when it feels like the ground beneath us is shaking, God can overcome our fears. God's Spirit is greater than your fear. So we're left with a choice. Am I going to face all this stuff on my own? And most of us know we are inadequate for that job. But if we face it, depending on God's Spirit to be at work in us, then, then we have a chance. Because God's Spirit is greater than our fear. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for your Spirit at work in our lives. We're thankful for the way that you help us overcome our fear. And so God, help us, even though we want to keep some of this hidden, to open it all up to you. And maybe open it up to someone we trust. And allow your spirit to be at work in us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.